All right, if you got your Bible, open up to Mark chapter 14, verse 32 through 42 is where we're going to be this morning. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Hebrews 4.16. Now, I forgot to put it on the screen for us or in your notes, but it says this. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. If we have placed our faith and trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, if we've repented of our sins, we've surrendered control of our life to Him, and we've believed that He is the only way to salvation, what the author of Hebrews is saying here is that with confidence we can draw near to the throne of grace. With confidence we can draw near to God's throne knowing that He hears us and that He listens, that He is there for us. Not because of who we are, because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus Christ did for us. Because Jesus Christ has clothed us with His righteousness, because He has paid the penalty for our sin, because He has adopted us into God's family through His uh, action on the cross, we can with confidence go before God knowing that God listens to us, that God hears us, that God cares for us. This morning, this is what we're looking at. We're looking at this idea of prayer. As, we go, as we've been going through the book of Mark, we're coming to the time. With, remember, we're just in the, the few hours before the crucifixion. Jesus is... Uh, they've just had the Lord's Supper. Uh, he's just told His disciples that, look, you are going to... You're going to fail. You're going to leave me. Peter, you're going to uh, deny me three times. They come to the Garden of Gethsemane uh, where Jesus begins to pray. And so as we look at this passage this morning, this is what we're looking at. We're going to look at two different aspects of why prayer is important to us or what the benefit of prayer to us is. And so I want us to think about this as we go through because I think sometimes... Sometimes we can have almost a false idea or a false view of of prayer and the fact of we look at it too lightly. We think of it as something that maybe we just do before meals or we just do before bedtime. Maybe it's something that we just kind of have a a rote prayer that we kind of go by memory and and kind of say and do uh, repetitiously. But prayer is an opportunity for us to come before the throne of grace. Prayer is an opportunity for us to come before God in all of His perfection where He sits on His throne and does whatever He pleases. Prayer is a time for us to go before God and know that God hears us and God listens to us and that God desires for us to come and to speak to Him, to to bring our hurts, to bring our needs, to bring our desires, to bring our struggles, to bring our requests to Him and know that He hears us us. This is going to the the greatest being in all of creation, in all of history, and knowing that He cares about this tiny little speck on the planet earth, that He cares about me and wants to hear from me. So let's read verses uh, 32 through 42 of Mark chapter 14. We'll pray, then we'll make our way through the passage. It says, And they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began, to, uh, and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. 
Yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. And he came to them the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking, for, and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you now. Thank you for this time that you've given us to come and to study your word. Father God, we thank you that your word is living and active. God, we thank you that your word cuts through our hearts and our souls as a sword does through uh, bone and marrow. Father God, we thank you for that because it means that you speak to us. It means that you care about us. It means that you love us and that you want to draw us closer to yourself. So, Father God, I pray that as we spend this next few minutes studying Your Word, God, I pray that You would speak to our hearts, to our minds, God, louder than my voice ever could. Father God, that the Holy Spirit, that the Word of God would encourage, would challenge, would convict. God, would meet us where we're at with what we need. And Father God, that we might respond in loving, uh, submissive obedience. We love You and we thank You. It's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. So the first benefit for us about prayer is that prayer gives us a place to go during hurt and hard times. So we're going to break this passage up into two sections. The first is going to be verses 32 through 36, where it deals with Jesus going uh, and spending this time praying by Himself. He takes His disciples to Gethsemane. He leaves kind of... um, Well, there's only 11 of them there now, so what's 11 minus 3? Is that 8? He leaves 8 of them there and then takes Peter, James, and John with Him and and brings them a little bit closer to where He's going to be praying. Remember, we've seen throughout the book of Mark, Peter, James, and John are kind of uh, the closest to Jesus, almost His inner circle. Uh, They were there when Jairus' daughter was raised. They were there on the Mount of Transfiguration. They've seen things that the other disciples have not seen. So He brings them along and He brings brings them a little bit closer than he comes, uh, or before he goes off and prays, he tells them, look, watch and pray. He said, I am, um, well, let me find the passage. In verse 34, he said to them, my soul is sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch. And then he goes a little bit farther by himself and falls down and prays. Now, What we see here in this passage is maybe one of the most difficult periods of time in the life of Jesus here on this earth. Remember, he's lived about 33 years. Uh, The last three years he's been out ministering, he's been out teaching and, and doing miracles and casting out demons and raising people from the dead. But here we see this very difficult time, this time of of struggle. In fact, in, um, I believe it's John's gospel, John talks about how he is sweating drops of blood, that he's under such intense pressure in this moment that the the capillaries in his skin are are bursting and the, the, the blood is mixing with his sweat and it's coming out red. There is such intense pressure right here that he is going through. And so when we talk about prayer being a place to go during hurt and hard times, I want us to understand that we can trust Jesus' compassion towards our hurts because He's experienced what we have experienced. 
He tells his disciples that he is sorrowful, that, that this is going to be, there's, he's under so much pressure. And here's why Jesus knows what is about to happen. He knows, yes, he's going to be beat. He knows that he's going to have the crown of thorns nailed to his head. He knows that he's going to have that, uh, receive the, the, the 39 lashes. He knows that he's about to be nailed to a cross. And there's this great physical pain that's about to happen to him. But even more so than that, he knows the deeper thing that's about to happen. He understands that that the wrath of God towards sin is about to be poured out on Him to where He fully satisfies it. So for for those who place their faith and trust in Jesus, their sins can be washed away. There can be forgiveness. He understands that He's about to go through such torment that the Father turns His face away. He understands that He's about to be in the loneliest, scariest moment of His life here on earth. So when we talk about coming to God, when we talk about there being a place to go, that prayer being that place to go, as we we approach the throne of grace, as we come, we can come with confidence knowing that we don't serve some God who is just kind of lofty up in the sky that, that, that is so far removed from us, but a God who loved us enough to send His Son to put on human flesh to suffer things that, that, that we are going to suffer, to feel things that we are going to feel. So as we come before Him, we come before a God who, who has struggled and suffered those things, who can have compassion and empathy for us. God is completely aware that we are a frail creation with hurts and struggles. I read you that passage of that verse, Hebrews 4.16. The verse just preceding that, Hebrews 4.15, says this. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. The author of Hebrews says we have a high priest, we have a Savior, we have one who intercedes for us before God the Father. We have one who is not, once again, this lofty thing who cannot feel what we feel, but a God, a a, a Savior who has died for us, who has put on human flesh, who has suffered in every way that we have. The only difference is He was without sin. You and I, we struggle. You and I, we fall short. You and I, we mess up. Jesus never did. God understands that you and I are not perfect. That's the whole reason Jesus came is because we're not perfect. We couldn't earn our salvation. But Jesus knows that even once we are saved, we are still far from perfection. That we still struggle. We still have hurts. We still have things that we don't comprehend and understand. He knows that because His Son, Jesus, has been there and suffered that and experienced that. So we serve a God who has compassion. We serve a God who has empathy. We serve a God as we come. He does not sit up there and say, why are you coming to me with this? I've got big stuff to handle. I can't handle this little stuff in your life. No, we serve a God who because of our high priest, because he has been there, he says, look, I understand. I have compassion. I have grace. I have love. Bring me your burdens. Bring me your worries. Bring me your hearts because I understand what is going on in your life. So as we move in, one of the things that I want us to think about is How do we handle hurt and hard times in our life? Because in our world, 
people deal with things in a lot of different ways, right? If you're hurt, maybe you lash out. Maybe you, you draw in. Maybe you get bitter or angry. Maybe you just put on kind of a, a fake smile and a fake uh, mask and pretend that everything's okay. Maybe it drives you to uh, addiction or abuse. It can lead a million different ways depending on the person. So as we go forward this morning, what I want us to think about is how do we handle hurt in our life? Do we go and say, you know what? I can't handle this. I'm not big enough. I'm not strong enough. Let me go to the God, the Creator who is. Or or do we say, you know what? I can handle things on my own. When we do that, much like what Solomon was saying in the book of Ecclesiastes, it's meaningless. We have no strength, no ability to, to effectively handle things on our own. Especially if we are God's children, when we have the God of all creation who wants to hear from us, who wants to listen to us, who wants to work. Alright, so we come to Jesus' prayer. He's, he's kind of separated himself from everybody else, and he begins to pray. This is my favorite prayer in all of the Bible. Look at verse 36. It's a short prayer, but it's my favorite prayer. He says, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. The first thing that I want us to see in this prayer is that as we turn to God in our hurt, we turn to Him with honesty. We turn to Him with honesty. Jesus says, if there's any way possible, let this cup pass from me. This cup is propitiation. Propitiation is the biblical idea that when Jesus suffered on the cross, all of God's judgment, all of God's wrath towards our sin was placed on Jesus. He knows what's about to happen. And so when he prays, let this cup pass from me, what he is saying is, if there's any way for justice to be served, if there's any way for mankind to be saved, if there's any way for forgiveness to come to humanity besides what I'm about to suffer, let that happen. If there's any other way that this can happen, let it be done. In this moment of hurt, in this moment of pain, Jesus prays this incredibly honest prayer. Now, remember, Hebrews chapter 4 told us that we serve a high priest who has suffered in all ways that we have, yet without sin. Jesus never sinned. Jesus never messed up. Jesus never broke God's commandment, never broke God's rule, never broke God's law. What this tells us, if Jesus can have this very honest moment with God, if Jesus can say, look God, if there's any other way that this can be done, please let that happen because I comprehend, I understand what is about to take place. And if there's any other way this can happen, let it happen. If Jesus can pray this honest prayer, then we can pray honest prayers before God. I don't believe that God is intimidated or offended by our honesty. What I mean to that is we don't have to pretend before God and act like everything's okay. We don't have to go to God and say, yep, God, everything is good. Um, My finances are in shambles. My marriage is rough. My kids are uh, going through tough times. My family is sick. Uh, Whatever is going on. but, But hey, everything is great. I'm good. We can go before God and say, God, blank is happening in my life, and I have no idea what to do. 
blank is going on in my life and it is killing me. I don't know how to handle this. I'm not strong enough. I'm not big enough. I don't know why it's happening. It doesn't seem fair. We can be honest before God in our prayers. And it's not going to offend God. It's not going to scare God. It's not going to intimidate God. One, God already knows. God knows all things. There's nothing outside God's understanding or God's knowledge. But also, remember, God cares. God invites this upon Himself. He wants us to bring His... um, He wants us to bring to Him our hurts. He wants us to bring to Him our struggles. He wants us to bring to Him our our, our pain and and, and our hurts. He wants us to say, Hey, God, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why this is happening. I don't know why this hurts so bad, but it does. We don't have to pretend before God. We don't have to pretend that everything is okay. In fact, I would argue if we go before God and we say, Hey God, um, I've got my smile on, I've got my mask on, and everything is great when everything is not. Ultimately, what we're doing is we're lying before the Creator of the world. We're lying before the One who loved us enough that He sent His Son to die for us. He wants us to be honest, to, to, to lay out our fears and our struggles and our worries before Him. Because here's the reality. If we don't lay things before Him, if we don't take them before Him, if He knows, He understands, but the way our faith is exercised is not by us pretending that everything is great, not by us pretending that we've got it all handled on our own. Our faith is exercised when we say, God, I can't handle this. I need You. Which leads us to our next point. As we turn to God in honesty, we also turn to Him in submission. Jesus was very honest. He prayed, God, if there's any other way, let this happen. But then he said, yet not what I will, but what you will. One of the other uh, gospel writers says, but not my will be done, but your will be done. Not what I want, but what you want. We can be honest before God. But ultimately, that honesty needs to lead us to submission before God. We can be honest before God and say, God, I don't understand this. God, this hurts. God, I don't know why this is happening. But but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust your will. I'm going to trust your plan. I'm going to trust your love. I'm going to trust who you are and what you are doing. I don't understand it. I don't comprehend it. It hurts. It is painful. It is difficult. But God, I'm going to trust that you're in control. I'm going to trust that you haven't stopped loving me. I'm going to trust that you work all things for good for those who love you and are called according to your purposes. I'm going to trust you. So while we are, I believe, encouraged to be honest in our prayers... We also have to be submissive, understanding that we're not the God of our life, but He is. And that what He wants, that He has a plan, that God works all things for His glory and our good. And so no matter what we're going through, we understand that though we might not be able to see it now, we can't see the forest for the trees. God has a plan. God has a purpose. God has a reason. To submit to God's plan is to submit to the goodness of God. To submit to God's plan, to do so where you're not doing it begrudgingly, where you're not doing it uh, just thinking, okay, fine, Uh, I'll do this because I have to. 
You've got to see the, the goodness of God. You've got to understand that, yes, this hurts, that is difficult, but I understand and I believe that God is good. And because God is good, God is going to use this for good in my life. God is going to use this for my benefit. God is going to use this for His glory. God is going to use this so that I can impact the life of someone else. That God is good, and because He is good, His plans are good. Because He is good, the things He allows is good. Because He is good, the things that He does are good. And I'm going to trust in His goodness. And if we can trust in His goodness, if we can trust in His plan, then it helps us to submit. And understand that that idea of submission is not just something that we do one time, that we pray one prayer, or we say, all right, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to submit. It's something that we might have to do 20 times in a day because all of a sudden our flesh kind of, our, our fear kind of bubbles back up. Our worry kind of bubbles back up. And we have to say, you know what, God? I'm going to trust that you're in control. I'm going to trust that you are good. No matter what fears, no matter what hurts might be coming, I'm going to trust that you are good. If we are going to submit to God, we have to trust the goodness of God. God doesn't want us to handle things on our own. God doesn't want us to, to, to suffer things by ourselves. He wants us to come to Him. I believe He wants us to be honest. But in that, He wants us to trust that He is good. Trust that He has a plan. Trust that He has not left us alone. That He has not just kind of thrown us to the side, but that if we are His children... Jesus told His... Well, when He was teaching, He told His disciples, but also those who were listening, He said, look... If you as parents, or if you as fathers, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does God know how to, good, know how to give good gifts to His children? If I can give good gifts to my, to my kids that make them uh, smile, or that make them laugh, or that make them happy, things that they love, things that they enjoy, and I'm a fallen, selfish individual then how much greater are the gifts that the God who is perfect in heaven, perfect in His love, perfect in His compassion, perfect in His goodness, how much greater are the gifts that He offers to His children? It is tough sometimes to walk through life. It is. It is hard to go through different seasons or different situations that happen in life. It is difficult. But if we are Christians, if there's come a time in our life when we have repented of our sins, we've placed our faith and trust in Jesus and surrendered our life to Him, if we are His, then we don't have to go through those alone. He is standing there saying, come to the throne of grace. Come with confidence because of what Jesus has done. Come with confidence that I'm going to hear you, that I'm going to listen to you. Come with confidence and know that I have a plan. Trust that I am good. Trust that I'm in control and trust that I have have not left you and that I do love you. So when we talk about prayer, prayer gives us a place to go when we hurt. It gives us a place to go to the goodness of God. All right, the next thing we're going to see is that prayer, uh, prayer gives us a place to go to receive strength to stand against sin. So look at verses 37 through 42. Or really, verse, I just want us to look at verse 37 and 38. It says this, And he came and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, Simon, why are you asleep? Could you not watch for one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Now, last week we talked about 
The wisdom in understanding our weaknesses. The wisdom in understanding our frailties, our, our sins and our temptations. And, and we talked about how Jesus told His disciples, look, you're all about to fall. You're all about to turn and run away uh, from Me. You're all about to abandon Me. Peter said, nope. Everyone else might, Jesus, everyone else might run away, but not me. I'm staying here, and if it means that I have to die, I'll never deny you. That's when Jesus tells him, look, by the time the rooster crows twice, you're going to deny me three times. And so as he has this conversation, as he comes to them and he finds them sleeping, he directs his statements towards Peter. Notice in verse... um, in verse 37, he said, And he came and found them sleeping. He didn't point out to, to uh, Andrew and uh, John. He said, Peter, Simon, why are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Peter has just had this moment where he said, I'm never going to deny you, Jesus. And Jesus said, Yeah, yeah, you are. But even in this moment, he's almost given a a way out. Jesus is saying, look, pray that you may not fall into temptation. Spend this time. Go before God. Say, God, I understand that I'm weak. I understand that I'm frail. I understand that I give over to temptation. I understand that I'm not perfect. Here's the areas that I struggle. Here's the sins that I struggle with. God, please strengthen me. God, please empower me. God, please give me the ability to say no to this temptation that I might walk in righteousness, that I might walk in a way that pleases you. God, Jesus the Messiah just told me that I'm about to deny Him. Please help me not do that. And yet Peter falls asleep. And Jesus says, look, the Spirit is willing. Yes, there's a part of you that wants to boldly say, I'm never going to deny Jesus. I'm not going to turn away. But the flesh is weak. You're going to turn away. You're going to deny. People are going to question you. And three times, you're going to deny my name and eventually curse my name before the rooster crows twice. The same thing is true for us. The Spirit is willing. We, if you are a child of God, once again, the Holy Spirit dwells within you and there is a, 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 a part of you that cries out saying, I want to honor God and serve God and love God and walk in righteousness and never again sin. The Spirit is willing, but the flesh, the sin nature that we still struggle with, this, this desire that still says, I want sin. I want to do what is selfish. I want to do what is pleasing to my flesh. It still exists. So while the Spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. It is so easy for us to give over to the desires of the flesh. Which is why day in, day out, we need to be spending time in God's Word. We need prayer. We need this ability to go before God and say, God, I need your help. I need your strength because because in and of ourselves, we have no strength. In and of ourselves, we are weak. And if we want to live a life that glorifies and honors God, we can't do that on our own. We can only do that through Him. So prayer gives us that opportunity. Prayer gives us that way to go to God and admit our weaknesses, but also claim His strength. Strength to stand against sin. Strength to stand against temptation. Acknowledging our weaknesses means acknowledging God's strength and grace. God did not save us and then say, all right, now figure everything out on your own. 
No, God saved us and said, look, things are still going to be difficult. You're still going to struggle. In fact, Paul says in Romans, look, the very things I want to do, I don't do. And the very things I don't want to do, I find myself doing. We all have this battle that rages within us of, yes, I want to follow God. And, and the, the flesh that says, yes, I still want to sin. This battle that is raging within us. Romans talks about it. Uh, Ephesians talks about it. But there's this, this battle that is raging and we day in, day out, minute after minute, have to make decisions. Am I going to walk with God or am I going to walk in my flesh? And what Jesus is telling Peter, look, pray that you might not fall into temptation. Understand that you can go to God and God has not left you here to be hopeless. God has not left you here to be destitute. God has not left you here to be uh, in bondage to sin. But God is saying, look, I want to empower you. I want to strengthen you. I want to give you the ability to say no to sin. You just have to trust in me. You have to turn to me. You have to depend on me. You have to understand that you are weak, that I'm weak, and that I need God's strength, that I can't do it on my own. And prayer gives us that opportunity to do that. Prayer gives us that opportunity to say, God, I need you. Once again, God is not offended by our honesty, but God is also not offended by our weaknesses. That we can go to God and say, God, here's the areas that I'm tempted. Here's the areas that I'm struggling with. Here's the sin that I honestly, there's a part of me that really wants to do. God already knows. He's not offended by us saying, this is where I'm at. I don't want that anymore. I need your help. When we look at, when we look at the world around us, we see people who get stuck in their sin and they have no hope and it just leads to, to silliness. There was a, an actress that came out this week or last week and because of all the race stuff going on in our country, she said that she's disgusted that she was born white. Like she had any control in that. I've got a friend who, because Trump is president, whatever you believe about Trump, he is on medication and goes to a, a, a therapist weekly solely because Trump is president of the United States. These are people living without hope. These are people living, trusting in things that cannot strengthen them. Trusting in things that cannot empower them. Trusting in things that just leave them stuck where they are. Yet we have been given a relationship with God through Christ that we can go to Him on His throne with complete confidence knowing that He hears us and say, God, I need Your help. And we are promised that He hears us. We are promised that He listens. And that we are promised that He responds. I want to close with this. We can either trust God with our hurts and weaknesses, or we can attempt to handle things on our own. There are two activities that are kind of presented in this passage. There is praying. Jesus is praying. Jesus tells Peter, pray that you might not fall into temptation. Prayer is that exercising of our faith where we trust God, where we say, God, I need your help. Whether it's in hurts, whether it's in temptations, whether it's external, whether it's internal, God, I need you. Prayer is that submission to God. Prayer is understanding God's goodness. Prayer is going to God, understanding His power and His strength and His love for us. And then you've got sleeping. The disciples were asleep. They were not praying. So you've got this sleeping that is kind of... Basically, it comes from not just necessarily them being physically tired, but, but almost this, this self-assurance that, hey, I can do this on my own. 
I'm good. I don't have to sit here and pray. It's this apathy. It's this, it's this mindset that says, you know what? I don't know that prayer is really that effective. I don't know that prayer is really that important. So I'm going to do what I need to do. Look, if something bad's about to happen, then I need to make sure that I'm well rested. I need to make sure that I get my, I get my eight hours so that if something's about to happen to Jesus, I can have plenty of strength uh, to go out and make sure that I can help. If I'm tired, well, if I'm tired, I can't do that. So I know Jesus is praying. Let me go ahead and get me uh, some shut-eye so that I can be well rested uh, to help Jesus out when he needs some help. And it's just this arrogance, it's this weakness, it's pride, it's it's this thought that prayer does not have much value. If they believe that prayer had the value that Jesus is telling them that it did, then, then surely Peter would not be asleep. He would be saying, God, help me so that I don't deny Jesus three times. So the question is, where are you? Where am I? Where are we? When we're facing temptation, when we're facing our own sin, when we're facing hurts and, and hard times, how do we handle that? Do we turn to God? Do we say, God, I need you. I need your power. I need your strength. I need your encouragement. I need whatever you want to do. I need to trust your goodness, trust your plan, trust your love. I need you. Or do we say, you know what? I can handle this my own way. I'll take care of this my way. I'll ask God to bless my food. I'll say a prayer before I go to bed. But ultimately, I've got this. How do we handle life? How do we handle the the hurts and the temptations that come our way? Prayer does not make hurts disappear. Prayer does not make temptations disappear. In fact, we looked at the verse last week that says that God will not allow you to be tempted more than you can bear, but He will always provide a way out. He doesn't promise the temptation comes away or goes away. He just promises us the strength and the out to escape temptation. God never promises that hurt feelings or the difficult times or that bad things don't happen just because we're Christians. The promise is that in the midst of those times, in the midst of those struggles, in the midst of those pains, in the midst of those weaknesses and temptations, we have a God who cares, a God who loves, a God who listens, and a God who wants to work, who wants to empower, who wants to strengthen. And we can either go to the source of absolute power and trust Him, or we can trust ourselves who are frail, who are weak. The Spirit is willing, but the flesh, the flesh is weak. So do we trust in strength or do we trust in weakness? Really, we're not given a third option. Not a whole lot of gray area here. We either trust God or we trust ourselves. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you now and thank you for this time that you've given us to come and to worship you through song, God, to study your word. Father God, I love the honesty of the Bible. God, from the disciples and their weaknesses and their failings, God, to remind us that that there are no super Christians, but we are all desperate people in need uh, of grace. But Father God, also to the honesty of Jesus. God, reminding us that prayer is not putting on a mask and telling you that everything's okay, but God, it is just brutal, brutally honest about our struggles. 
and trusting in your and submitting to your goodness. Father God, I thank you that you have not left us alone, but you've given us strength against temptation. Father God, help us to stand. God, help us to be humble enough to admit that we need you. Father God, remind us every second of every day that you love us and that you are there for us and that you want us to come to you. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.